Hi everyone and welcome to the BGS podcast. I am Ayman, the founder of the BGS community and front-end developer based in Brussels, uh, Belgium. Uh, among other things, I love React and JavaScript in general. And uh, today I am happy to announce that Alien, our little Belgian rock star, maybe even a techno star, <laughs> is joining me as a co-host of the show. Hi Alien and welcome to the show. Hey, man. Yeah, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, Good. A bit busy this week, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, can sure. you maybe introduce yourself to our yeah, audience? Of course. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Elian. I'm um, a community engineer at Astro. I'm specifically working the developer experience team. Um, and I guess I'm a BGS podcast co-host now. So, <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's most of what I do. Awesome. Uh, so today we have one of our biggest supporters. Uh, so the one of the biggest supporters of the BGS community, Attila Fasina. Hi, Attila. How are you doing? Hey, hey. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, all good. You? You both are good? Yeah, <laughs> I'm super good. Actually, I, I did think of you today. Um, and I want to keep this a secret for both of you, so nobody's kn knowing what's happening here. But actually, Attila, you were kind of like the nail to my coffin as being a Belgian in my heart. And I thought of you today. I have something with me. So, Attila, do you want to tell the people what actually happened at our first React Brussels? <laughs> Should I? I mean, are you okay? Can you can you handle this emotion? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will do my best, but uh, it, it should be fine. So, okay, so for the ones of you who don't know, like on every uh, BJS event, so BJS, React Brussels, I don't know about React Paris because it's going to happen soon, but we usually, after the event, there's a day that we go and do something different, like all the speakers and the organizers, it's usually a surprise. Uh, I'm in and Omar keep it a secret until the last minute when Alien doesn't spill the if Alien doesn't spill the bean first, which happened <laughs> in the past. But anyways, um, so in this time there was this scavenger hunt throughout Brussels with a lot of like Brusselese specific stuff. We had to try chocolate, we had to try beers and stuff, and everybody would score points, and then they thought they would have it easy when they put all the locals in the same group. <laughs> so it was Ayman, Alien, Omar. I don't remember your entire team, but you put Antoine, all the... You, Antoine was there as well. Antoine was there. So yeah, all, all everybody that was from Brussels or Belgium were there and they put all the expats uh, on the other teams. And then there was like a very tight competition. There were like three teams that were cutting close. And the last question was, okay, you need to have a blind test of a, of a specific beer from Belgium and you need to guess what kind of beer it is or whatever. And I don't drink beer, which I don't know. I'm, I'm probably the last person to be talking about Star because I didn't <laughs> even try the beer. Um, but it was a very typical Trappist beer from Brussels called Chimay Blue. It's not from Brussels, but yeah, Chimay Blue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now he pretends he's an expert. So, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then what happens is that <laughs> Alien was supposed to try and say which was, and he got it wrong. And apparently, it was like a very big 
uh, obvious it's, mistake. Yeah, exactly. I, I got it wrong. It was a, I thought it was Quack and it was not. And then Ayman never forgave him. It's been two years already. And if we bring this topic, Ayman gets angry. <laughs> then we always want to fight. Yep. But to be honest, I like Quack more than yeah. Chimé Bleu, which is probably a very wrong thing to say in Belgium. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, yeah, an awesome story. story. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> I will never forgive you, man. Never. Yeah, I know. And I, if I remember correctly, it was also like one point difference. Like if we had it yep. right, we, we would have won. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very painful. But probably it had to do that. We had to drink a couple of beers and I got all the others right. And then the last one probably was like a little bit too much. Yeah, so it's not <laughs> entirely my fault. Yeah, the funny thing is my team was five people. Two of us didn't drink beer and didn't eat chocolate. And half of the activities <laughs> were either tasting chocolate or drinking beer. Welcome to and Belgium. And we still like, I think we <laughs> got Belgium third place or something. All, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got third place uh, anyway. There was, um, I think there was like this very fancy chocolaterie uh, that we had to go in and try some whatever kind of chocolate it was. Uh, and Phil, yeah, Philip, well, the guy, uh, he, he even, he's the creator of uh, Urkel. He didn't even get in the shop. He said, yeah, I hate chocolate. I'm not going there. <laughs> we well, still got it. <laughs> first time I, I hear someone that hates chocolate that bad. Yeah. That doesn't I actually have a, a funny story about that. I didn't eat chocolate at all before I met my wife. And okay. then I didn't like chocolate. I, I, I didn't like oh, chocolate, really? I didn't like coffee. And then my wife uh, started, okay, um, you're going to try every nice chocolate that I can think of because we need to find one that you like. And then, uh, yeah. So then I, I found some chocolates that I do like eventually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> is it Belgian chocolate? Because Belgian chocolate, to be honest, is very good. I do like some Belgian chocolate. At that time, it was not. It was a Toblerone, white Toblerone, which people actually say, you like that because the white chocolate is not chocolate. Um, <laughs> exactly. But... Yeah, so, but uh, it's still like white chocolate, still like kind of my favorite. But I oh, do really? like a lot of Belgium chocolates, actually. I just cannot eat dark chocolate. Too bitter, probably. Yeah, yeah. I just like, I just immediately need to drink two gallons of water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That doesn't awesome. happen too often. <laughs> um, yeah, dark chocolate and, and passion fruit are my kryptonites. Okay, okay passion good fruit. to know. Like, I can use uh, that against are, you now. Are, are you allergic or you just don't like? No, passion no, fruit? I just, I just, I just hate it to bits. Like, I had a tree growing up at my house, and <laughs> I used to, I used to use because they're very like hard. So I used to use them as balls with my dog. So I just like throw them and say, "Yeah, go fetch." And like, I didn't eat passion fruit. Uh, it was, <laughs> yeah, amazing. I'm a weird guy. What can I say? <laughs> Welcome to the team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, to start with the questions about uh, coding, um, what we usually try to do is that uh, we ask our invited person how they started their career. And actually, not, not even their career. We start with the first thing. How did you start coding? How did you learn? 
How did you fall with it? Uh, fall in love with it? Or maybe you didn't? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they actually, all of that kind of <clears throat> started together uh, in a way because I had a moment that I found coding for the first time because um, I went through university and like was nothing related to that. Um, I did in Brazil, the, the name of the course called physical education. So essentially I was learning how to be a coach uh, and sports science and stuff like that. So I That's had That's why gym. you have those abs, right? <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, so I, I had a gym once upon a time. And I, when I was about to graduate, I realized, okay, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm, I just, it doesn't give me any passion. So my wife was, is a designer at the time. She was my girlfriend and she was doing like a night college. Um, because yeah, like in Brazil, we do, we have the federal, federal university, which is usually one of the best, but then every now and then they go on strike. And then for a few months, you cannot, you just postpone your graduation date. I said, yeah, I really need to get to work. And then there was going to do a, be a strike. So she started night college. And that was like multimedia production, whatever. And she just asked me, oh, you have, you like computers a lot. Why don't you come with? So I went there. I started doing the night college. And turns out I realized there's a lot of stuff that I hate, like 3D modeling, drawing. I cannot draw for like to save my life. But then there was one course that was about uh, web development. And I really liked that. And I was enjoying, I was having fun. I wasn't entirely sold on it because it was like just basic HTML, pretty boring, using Dreamweaver and stuff like that. Oof, but then there days. was this, yeah, very old days. So, uh, but then there was this one time it was raining a lot and there was an event from the computer science course. And the principal just came to my room uh, and asked my my teacher, my professor, saying, look, there are a bunch of, uh, there are like a few people coming from outside the university and everybody's not coming because it's raining a lot. Can I borrow your students to make an audience? I went there and there was this uh, talk about CSS3 with animations and stuff. And my entire class kind of fell asleep. And I was like, oh my God, I was beaming. That was so amazing. Uh, turns out uh, it was one of one of my friends now called Felipe Moura was doing that. Um, he's one of the organizers of Brazil.js. And a year after that, um, I started working with him. That was my last job in Brazil. And yeah, so I went home that day and I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to. And then right on that day, I started studying. Um, so that's how I like it was like one day, six months later, started doing some internships and stuff like that. And then rest history. Yeah. It's been wow. So but you say that you didn't actually get a degree degree in, in computer science or anything like that. You basically self thought. Not a, yeah, completely. Oh, wow. So I, I immediately started doing, uh, started studying by myself and then I realized, okay, I'm just going to go to every possible meetup and uh, conference and whatever's mm -hmm. free. I'm just going to join and talk to people. So mm -hmm. I, I would started going to some meetups in my hometown and I would do, I would just find a speaker and ask some question. So I remember there yeah. was this one time friend of mine, uh, Ricardo, really good JavaScript developer. 
Um, he was doing. It was like um, now I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna show my age now. He was giving a talk about <laughs> CoffeeScript, and oh. I was just starting at the time. And I remember he he finished his talk was like a, I don't know 15 minute lightning talk something like that. He came down from the stage, sat next to me, and I was like, okay, I was I had just spent like three hours trying to learn jQuery. Nothing was still making sense to me. And I just looked at him and said, man, do you think I should drop learning jQuery and learn CoffeeScript? Do I need jQuery with CoffeeScript? I started making all these like weird questions to him. And he just uh, hold the laugh and actually taught me a lot of stuff. So I was this kind of nosy guy going through community people. There's yeah. another uh, guy in the Brazil community called Jadson, uh, which is the other organizer of Brazil JS. One time I didn't even knew him uh, and I came to him. He made something about, he invited people to help him translate documents, uh, MDN uh, entries to Portuguese. And I came to him and said, dude, uh, one of the gigs that I do because I don't have a job is like teaching English. I don't know anything about JavaScript yet, but I want to learn and I know English. And then he just laughed and say, sit next to me. I know JavaScript better than I know English. So we help each other. All right, you told and, me that story. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's so crazy. that's more or less how I started. That's why I like some. Uh, I like community events so much. And yeah, um, one of the reasons also why I like BJS so much is that it reminds me of that time. It reminds me of yeah. when I was starting, and there was like this whole community of people. Like some of my best friends in my career were from those beginnings. Were from me finding them coming out of the stage and asking them stupid questions and mm -hmm. they would not laugh at me. And I really yeah. like that. I really appreciate this. So, um, and I see that BJS has this kind of vibe as well, where um, when I come out of the stage in React Brussels, people are coming to talk to me and, um, and then more people join in and everybody's helping each other and talking. And, and it reminds me of those times. It's, not every conference yeah. that has this kind of vibe and I really like it. Yeah, exactly. I can definitely vouch for that as well. Like BJS, well, no, React Brussels was my first ever like lightning talk, right? And it's so crazy. Like that boosted me so much, like talking with you, talking with Tages and like, I don't want to say like mentoring me, but kind of like taking me into the group of speakers, which for me was like at that time, all the idols, all the greatest people, all the speakers, like I, I share the stage with Ryan Carniato and Mishko Avery. That, that is crazy. That's insane. And now I can say like, yeah, I did that with them and they taught me so much. And we talked all night about Angular and reactivity systems. I like, I can say I was at 3 a.m. in the pub talking with Mishko about something <laughs> reactivity related. How crazy is that? Or resumability. And I think that's exactly like the feeling. Um, for me, BJS is, or the BJS community, like, say react paris and probably um react brussels as well it's like coming home to a family that you didn't see for a couple of weeks and you come home and it's like oh how have you been and you have all night to share stories and talk about stuff and the next day you just go on stage and you talk to your family um and that makes it so much easier yeah absolutely and and i remember i remember you preparing for that talk i remember you at was what 11 30 at the at the mm -hmm. hotel pub, you were still rehearsing. 
Yeah. Like, wow, yeah, this guy is slides. really yeah. committed. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like five minutes before I go on stage, like making my presentation, <laughs> adding slides, oh, switching now, slides. Yeah, now now he's now he's like a seasoned speaker. He just every he goes like right before going to stage. He says, "How much time do I got? You have five minutes. Okay, I had like thirty minute talk, but I'll do in five. Oh yeah, that, that was a crazy. Time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I heard about the Berlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah, kind of yeah. crazy. The the thing is that um, we were kind of caught on on schedule, and you know the Germans, they are very strict in everything, and so everyone was kind of ready to leave and leaving the the audience so the audience was getting more and more empty so i was like it doesn't make any sense if i do my talk in front of no one except for speakers they have seen my talk probably so i should try to condense it and get it into a, a comprehensible format in in 10 i think i did it in seven or six minutes um and i really rushed through um but yeah the good thing is that now i'm giving the full talk again in london very soon um, so that's the good part as well. It was still a really good talk, even in seven minutes. It was good. Yeah, was I, I really enjoyed giving it. It was fun to to have it all condensed down and just like, this is Astro 2, this is Astro 3, this is what's coming. And I think the audience could still follow and get like very hyped. Whoa, uh, did Astro is doing so much. Uh, yeah, that helped me. <laughs> awesome. Uh, did, they, did they record the talk or no? Because yeah, uh, I would really like... Ah, I, I think it's cool. not I think it's not being cut into separate talks, but just like the full live stream you can still full, find, I think. Okay. Yeah, there was a live yeah. stream at the day, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll have a look. Um so uh I wanted to um um uh, discuss something that is very important in our field and that's imposter syndrome. So me, for example, I have kind of some issues with imposter syndrome depending on the periods like it's way <laughs> a bit more or a bit less and i think mm. that it's kind of a general issue in our very evolving uh, ecosystem so uh, how do you cope with imposter syndrome do you have it don't or you don't <laughs> you don't have it um, or do you have techniques to kind of cope with it or just ignore it yeah I do have a lot. Um, I think pretty much, I'd say everybody has to some degree. Um, what I try to do to myself, what I try to internalize is that, um, especially when you're creating content, like preparing a conference talk or writing an article or something like that, is that there's always value on a perspective. So, um, that immediately validates whatever you're trying to do and whatever you're trying to say as as content. And then when it comes to like technical um, expertise, like, I mean, everybody's gonna make a mistake at some point and everybody's gonna not know something at some point. What I do have is I, I like to identify like groups of friends where I can, um, I can get them to basically review or like in sort of a, uh, a safe space, I'd say. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. one thing that I do is even when I think I did something really well or I get praise or I have very nice feedback about something I did, I do have a group of friends that I, well, that I, I ask for like more harsh feedback in this case. Like I remember... A, like I do like sports a lot. I watch like NFL a lot, and I don't know if you like 
probably most of you have heard of uh, this guy called Tom Brady, which is the most successful quarterback in NFL. Um, and most of like out of the out of, like most of the su Super Bowl rings that he got, which is like the biggest championship in NFL, was with the same coach. And the same this coach is called Billy uh, Belichick, and he's like super strict with everybody. To the point where uh, they would have, they almost had like a perfect run as the New England Patriots at some season. And there was an interview that they would say, yeah, we were, we just kept winning and winning and winning. Uh, but uh, by the end of the game, by the next day after the game, Belichick would bring the, the videotape and he would give us what we call the humble pie, which is essentially, okay. You won the game, you did, played very well, but look, this particular play, you messed up here and here, or you could have done better here and here. So I do like asking people for Humble Pie, and that's essentially, I think that helps me internalize that not every failure is complete, and as well as not every success is complete. So there's always something you can do better. And another thing that I try to help uh, use a lot is like Jason, Jason Langsdorf, he wrote an article that I need to find the article, but essentially it's one about um, consistency being the key. So in this case, like, of course, the first time you do something is going to be crap. The, th the important part is putting on the reps and showing up every single day. So like you want to have a successful podcast, record a video, publish the video, uh, a podcast or channel, whatever, record it and publish it. It's not going to be ideal, but then you do that again next week, and then you do that again next week, and then you do that again next week. And then at some point, you reach a level where, okay, the quality I got is, is, is sufficient. I found a template where I can produce in, in, in this sense. And I think that's important, especially when you're putting your face on things. That's where imposter syndrome takes the biggest hit. Uh, my imposter syndrome is not that much when... I'm like with my team doing code reviews uh, because I don't know, I, I I do tend to have a good relationship with like close relationship with my, my team members and I'm not that scared of, of messing up, I guess. Uh, but um, I consider that more of a safe space. That's what I'm trying to say. And then, but still, um, it's important to have this kind of feedback loop and Try to put it in check. Uh, the best strategy is try not to listen to it. But then, if you have some mechanisms to um, to dodge them, it's also good. Like in terms of imposter yeah. syndrome and these intrusive thoughts. Yeah, one of the things I was told often and and very much like I live by heart now is that uh, when I was a junior, I would say, "Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I I know this stuff. I know that stuff. Like I know React. I know Vue. I know I know Solid." And now, as a senior, well, I would say I'm a senior now. I would say, eh, I don't know that. Oh, don't laugh at me because I say I'm a junior uh, or I no, was a junior. I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing at you because you're saying you think you're a senior. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, isn't that the whole thing? Like being like, I don't know or, or saying the, the famous line, it depends, right? Because um, everything is, is so hard or is so specific to any, um, to any situation. Whereas like, I, I feel the same like you. I, I had so much imposter syndrome and actually still have, but the the best thing you can get is like um, reassurance from other speakers, from friends, from um, your family. Like I, 
even my mom watches my live streams and that's really cute but i know she doesn't understand <laughs> anything that i say and i know actually it's very much the same for Eamon and his dad <laughs> true right yeah 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 my dad is like the biggest supporter of bgs yeah. and everything that i do like he posts everything about bgs and he's like yeah you got that sponsor because i posted <laughs> Really? Like, <laughs> I've been working on that for months <laughs> and now you tell me it's because you posted that? <laughs> so. oh, that's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah Attila, uh, you, you mentioned... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say something about imposter syndrome. One of the things that I, I really like to do in order to kind of keep my imposter syndrome in check is that when I do something like... Uh, a really nice achievement or something. I try to kind of write it somewhere so that I don't forget because we always forget the good things we did and we kind of remember the bad things we did. And so every time that I have an yeah. achievement or something, I have a list of achievements. First of all, it's really uh, valuable when you actually even apply for a job or something. They ask you, what are your achievements? Yeah, I did yeah, that yeah, and yeah. that and that. And also when you, when you feel when you're on a bad day and you're like, oh, my God, am I really a good dev? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, it kind of kind of tells you, yeah, maybe today is a bad day. But actually one week ago you did that thing and it was really good. Yeah. Looking yeah, back yeah. on what you did previously is very important. Yeah. You yeah, see I, how I, much I, you've grown. I'll say it like that. When, also, yeah, well, I, I like to like reward myself when i when i match like some kind of landmark like for example i don't know um i think when i got i don't know 500 subscribers in my youtube channel my wife gave me not this microphone i already switched but she gave me a microphone oh. or uh something like that so it's like this little thing where like i don't have a list but then when i look at that i say oh that was because of this or this was because of that and so on so I do like this kind of like, um, or like, I don't know, sometimes it's not even something big or, oh, I got like this job offer. So we definitely need to go to, I don't know, order a pizza or whatever it is that floats your boat. Little um, celebrations. Yeah. This little thing, even if it's just symbolic, if it's, if it's just going to the supermarket and buying your favorite candy, but uh, something like that. So you can have this moment to remember, oh, I did something. And then you celebrate, even if it's for five minutes, and then you can go back. Otherwise, we just like get used to just, okay, did something good, back to work. But then whenever you, I don't know if I can curse here, whenever you F something up, uh, you're just, yeah. And then you, and then you, you, you're there, you're, you're like mowing that for, for hours and thinking about, oh, why is that different? It's, we need to give our successes the same weight as we give our failures i'd say that's that's a really good statement that's very true one yeah. one thing i also kind of felt very strongly about when i when i used to start and um when I, when i had a lot of imposter syndrome was my age right i was 20 when i first stood on on the stage and i was standing in between people <laughs> of being like 40 45 whatever um, and now I've kind of learned that age doesn't really matter, but still I, I was standing like as this little guy from Belgium, 20 years next to people working at Meta, working at wh whatever big company there is. Um, 
yeah, that was really something hard for me at first, but I kind of learned to live with it right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, age play, plays a big role on uh, on imposter syndrome, either when it's like high or when it's low. And it is just a number for sure. Um, I do agree with that. But I think it also works on the other way around, you know, like, because I'm, I'm pretty old, but when <laughs> I see that, <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, that old, but I mean, compared to Alien, for example, I'm pretty old. And, uh, well, anybody's and so, old compared to Alien. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so <laughs> when, when I see like people at 18 and 17 and 19, like uh, creating companies and my goal when I was 17 or 18 was how am I going to get drunk with my friends? <laughs> yep. So He's still doing that. Me, a... <laughs> I'm still doing that. Yeah, but now I'm doing it at conferences with famous people. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so for the people in the audience, if you want to get drunk and have fun, become a speaker. <laughs> oh yeah definitely or meet yeah, we alien, have great yeah. after parties or meet me yeah yeah that's a good that's a good thing <laughs> like as well. the the there was this picture i posted on twitter today with him with this like huge mug that mug is one liter or i don't know if you're american <laughs> mm -hmm. it's probably i don't know a foot and two toes i don't know like i don't know which limb you're gonna use like, I, I don't big, know those big. metrics but it was like a huge mug and we had this speaker dinner there and at some point, it was pretty late, or it was late for me. I have small kids, but um, and then I was leaving, and I just looked at him, and he was that mug was full. And I said, "That's not the that that's not the one I saw you drinking. How many did you have?" He said, three and counting." <laughs> and I remember like, you telling me, "Remember, you have a talk tomorrow." Yeah, I did. I just said that. I that was my ultimate dad moment. I looked at him and said, you yeah. have a talk tomorrow. Bye. And then I went, back, <laughs> I went to bed. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But I was there and I wasn't too late. I was fresh. I did my talk. No, he was alive. That's that's amazing. I, I don't know how he does that, but he's, probably, he's, he's standing the next day. I don't know. It's probably because I'm young that I still can do that. Yeah. It was and then on I, the I, next day, after the after the conference, we went for dinner again and stuff like that. And then after dinner, it was like super late. And I was like, okay, I'm beat. And he's like, where's the party? Where's the party? I'm like, dude. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm going back home tomorrow. I can sleep then. I was like, that's not really exactly. how it works, but okay. <laughs> nah, nah. The, the thing is, you know, you're in Berlin. You're, you're with speakers. You want to have a little bit of fun. Um, I remember that day I went to bed at 4 a.m. And it wasn't because of a party. I wanted to go party. Everyone wanted to go party. But it was because of Rachel. Rachel Neighbors uh, from, yeah. um, from Clerk. Um, they forgot their phone in the taxi. So, oh <laughs> so I had God. to intervene and call. And yeah, it was crazy. But I had a great night. And after that, we got drunk. So it was, it was better. <laughs> better than a party. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, but so now, now, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Damon. No, I, I just wanted to um, 
ask Attila about the the news that he shared this week. So I saw on Twitter Same. that you uh, um, joined uh, the Solid ecosystem yeah. team. So congrats for that. Thanks. And uh, that's actually uh, another story that started in a in a BJS event. Oh, okay. Really? With yeah. Ryan. So yeah. So what happened was um, as I don't know, like. You two that already know me, I think you remember that I used to do a lot of stuff with Next.js and React. I did yeah. a few workshops and stuff like this. Um, but then um, with some latest things that happened with React and Next.js, I was like, okay, the, like I do understand what they're doing. I don't know if I fully agree with the whys and the stuff like that. I don't know. And then I start looking, uh, and I I went to that. Um, <coughs> sorry, I went to that uh, BJS, and um, I was I sit down with uh, with Ryan at the time, and and with Mishko as well. That was uh, the company we met them, and they were talking like. Um, so much about like resumability, about rendering performance, about um, virtual DOM and this kind of stuff. And um, I was learning, so I, I learned so much from them at that time. And I don't know if you uh, like if everybody knew, if that's like common knowledge, but Mishko and Ryan are super friends, and both together they have no off button. There's no off switch. It's <laughs> Wow. I remember, like, it's just a machine gun. <laughs> it's and crazy. It's, it's it's super fun to watch and to participate. And then every now and then you you drop some questions stuff like that. And I got very much into solid uh, during that conference. And I remember asking Ryan, "Look, um, I want to participate. I want to be part of the community. Like, what can I do? What should I do? What do you need?" And he's like, "Yeah." Uh, he mentioned a little bit of the roadmap about of the work they were doing and stuff like this. And what do you want to do? What do you want to help with? And then we had some conversations and that was it. Uh, from then, and I came back and I started playing around with doing some samples and learning a little bit. Fast forward a little bit. I met Daniel Afonso, which is another very good friend of mine. And we were chatting just like we are right now. We were chatting at an after conference in React Norway. And... Uh, we were both start fanboying very hard on SolidJS and stuff like that. And then I start talking about it and uh, and so on and preparing some stuff. And then I did this conference talks uh, last year, last month or so. One of them was actually in BJS, uh, React Brussels. And yeah, like at Crab Nebula, we do a lot of work with Tori and stuff like this. Um, we do play a lot with different frameworks because of Tori. Tori is this native framework where uh, for creating native apps. So it's this framework where you, you have the backend in Rust and you can bring whatever web technology you want. So because of that, we play a lot with different frameworks. I started working on this app that we are very close to launch, actually, um, to help developing Tori apps. And it the foundation of it is a web app. And... Then we had little conversations at the time uh, with the team and we decided to go with Solid for this for many reasons. One of them is because um, I do like the community of Solid.js a lot. I already did before I joined. 
and then I got the opportunity to go to this live stream with Ryan. We had a few talks. Uh, I became be like already knew Dave for for a little while. But then after this this one, I started getting closer and we started working more closely together. And then, yeah, it, it kind of happened. So it everything started with that little spark on BJS, uh, which is, I never actually mentioned that to you guys, I think, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at That's Eamon so glowing cute. up this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've met Dave before as well, and he's an amazing human. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, so friendly and and concerned. Yeah, love it. Yeah, and oh man, uh, like the kind of ideas and plans he has for SolidJS and the community, they're amazing. Like if like if we get like the amount of hands we need to get this this out quick quicker, uh, it's gonna be amazing. So. I, I'm I'm really excited about the work that um, we have ahead of us. Love it. Like right now, really like most of, most of the efforts are going towards the new docs, which um, I don't have. Like there, there's already <laughs> <laughs> alien face is the best. We need to put that face on the on the somehow. <laughs> like if you're listening to this without it. Get a timestamp, go to YouTube <laughs> and look at that. That was the best. Yeah. Anyways, so the, there's a lot of work going with uh, with the new docs content, and then um, which is already looking pretty good, I'd say. Um, but uh, yeah, so most of the work regarding content is going to that. Uh, we just re-recorded re a video about like a quick introduction to Solid. There are a few more that we want to do. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going towards education, helping people get started with Solid. Plus all the work you, most of you probably already heard of around Solid Start um, with Vinci, with um, the, 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 all the like conversations Ryan's having about routing and things like that. I do think it's going to be really good. And I think it has a very nice uh, point in terms of how modular it is and unopinionated solid is. So the wow. way it's coming out is that you're going to have your solid SPA that you just used V to create and stuff like that. And your app can grow towards with your needs to a point where at some way you might, if you if that's what your product's guiding you with the requirements, you end up waking up one day and realizing, oh, I got a full stack app now because I just added SSR and I added this and I added that and I start like doing all the, the, the monkey patching and that's basically how it works. You just connect different pieces. So yeah. at some point you start with just client-side routing and then at some point you realize, oh, but I need server-side routing and then you add the router for the server-side. And yeah. then at some point you need, oh, I need a CDN. And then you add the routing for static assets. And then you go like building on top of it. That's how it's uh, it's looking uh, right now. So um, I am very excited about that. That helps me a lot on building like content that can be evergreen. And it also helps me a lot working with Tari because essentially like one goal that I have for Tari is that you have a web app and you can ship 
for every platform from that web app just by wrapping it on Tari and then it goes because Tari 2.0 is going to add iOS and Android. We already have all the desktops. So with Tari 2.0, you have iOS and Android. So I think that kind of connects like a bunch of nice things together because how modular solid is, it's the perfect match for, uh, for Tari. And the way that Tauri is agnostic about the front end allows it to bring the mobile story for solid. Yeah. Which is something I was about... that they don't have right now. Yeah, I was about to say it makes me think a lot of like the same values as Astro has in the sense that it's very much like opt-in design. Like you choose features and you add them on and on and on until you get what you want instead of giving you like this bloated app and you just have to remove everything that you don't want. Um, I really Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do like, and, and I like a lot like, um, Astro as well, especially specifically because of this reason. And also because, um, it, it does, it, it has like a very defined proposition, whereas I'm going to get you to build content websites and I'm going to get you all the tools and I'm going to get you everything you need to build great content websites. And uh, so I do like that a lot. And actually, there's a lot of people because Tari is essentially doesn't have a Node.js backend. You essentially need to have a service, um, static site generation for the web part. There are actually a lot of people that like to use Astro as the as the front end layer because uh, most of the the data management, most of the heavy lifting is done in Rust anyway. So they can have something very lean with Astro and Astro kind of allows them to bring components from different frameworks. So then at some point you have the perfect date picker in React. You don't need to go all in the board with React. You can just bring it in and use it. And then suddenly you have something and so on. So um, people like that versatility that Astro brings. And I think to a certain degree, what Solid Start's gonna do is give you the same versatility, but for different purpose. So I would say that today, if I'm picking, if I'm going to build a content website, I'm gonna, I can, I would choose Astro. But uh, at some point, if I need an app, I go to Solid and uh, Solid Start. And I do think the migration story between the two of them is pretty easy in this case. Probably, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's not entirely defined, but I think with Vinci it becomes pretty easy and and yeah. Uh, good to go so i think it's a nice combo it's the kind of communities and technologies that they don't alienate they participate which is really awesome yeah it sounds really really interesting like i'm also very excited to see what solid start will be eventually like i know they're still building it and the first version like was already good and now they're doing some amazing new things so i'm really excited about that now you also like mentioned a couple of times crap nebula um it's a company you work for right um, yeah. But what do you exactly do there and what does Crab Nebula exactly do? So Crab Nebula is a Tari partner. So it started from the founder, the creators of Tari. Uh, so they built this company around, which was in the beginning a consultancy. And they managed to employ a few of the, a lot of the people from the Tari working group. So it is a company that has open source in its core. All the work they do, not all the work, but a lot of the work they do is to support development in Tauri and um, in a 
very similar fashion to what Astro does, um, I would say, where there is a lot of protection around the open source core of the framework. Yeah, governance. So, Kreb, yeah, so Crab Nebula is very strict about the way that Crab Nebula serves Tauri community and not the other way around. Um, le, uh, this month, I think it was this, yeah, this month, uh, it was finally became official that Crab Nebula is a Tauri partner, um, which essentially means uh, that we have more dedicated time towards helping Tauri, not that much else. And there is now this uh, migration towards, from Crab Nebula as a company, to go from a consultancy to more a product-based company. So we already announced in the in the newsletter a little bit of the work we're doing uh, in creating a tool to help people build more high higher quality Tori apps. That's the app that I'm working at, which is kind of a dev tools, uh, Chrome dev tools, but for Tori. So it's gonna allow right. people to tap into instrumentation side of of the Tori app with Rust and stuff like that investigating IPC uh, uh, and and things like this. So we're very close to ship that. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye on this. Uh, if you're developing with Tori, go to the Tori Discord. There is a Crab Nebula channel. You can find me there. Um, essentially, my work is a DevRel engineer. So I do some live streams. I connect with people. I talk a lot about Tori and I build apps with Tari. So yeah, if you have an idea, if you want to, if you need help building an app, reach out to me and I can get you there. Um, and if you have a company that you need more dedicated support, Crab Nebula can do that as well. So that's essentially the the whole the whole pitch, I'd say. So uh, you, you mentioned that actually Tori helps you create apps for different uh devices so how, how does that kind of compares to electron or react native or is it a mix of both or how? no it's it's um there's a fundamental difference uh where um because tower is essentially rust it's way closer to the native system than uh, than uh, uh most of the other ones and it's uh it can it ships more secure uh, bundles? I'd say because um, of all the, it's very much focused on security, and well, it's Rust, so it's super performant as well. And what Tari does that's to me is a game changer for a web developer is that it uses the native web view of the system. So this oh, means so it that it doesn't ship an entire runtime. Correct. Oh, it doesn't ship cool. the runtime. It doesn't ship the Node.js runtime. It doesn't ship Chromium. So by default, uh, um, a Hello World with um, with Tauri is like a, a few hundred kilobytes, whereas with Electron is not even close to that. Um, <laughs> because from the get-go, you have Node.js and you have Chromium there done and um and then what happens now is that um in tari 1.0 you can because it's using the native system 
you can build for the system that you're working on. So essentially, if you're going to build for Linux, if you're going to build for Windows and you're on a Mac machine, you need a VM. Um, and starting from 2.0, then you can also build for iOS and you can build for um, Android as well. Um, there are some efforts that we're doing into helping people ship those apps and distribute those apps with a little bit more ease because if you ship an app, before you know that code signing can be a little bit complicated, can be a little bit annoying to do and stuff like this. Um, so we want to help people doing that as well. Um, but the first product we're gonna launch is uh, with the dev tools uh, where you essentially have an app that can tap into like a server that, that your Tari app can expose some instrumentation um, benchmarks and some instrumentation metrics where we can help you investigate like if there is any like uh, security issue that you should be aware of if your configuration is out of place or if there's something to be optimized there if there is like how much your your um, your IPC calls are taking and etc like a lot of stuff that we can help you essentially debug better your apps or even profile the performance and stuff like this. But ah, but the question was <laughs> how it compares <laughs> to the others. So yeah, essentially <laughs> because of this um, and it's not entirely um, because you have this like the Rust backend and the Rust, what the Rust backend is going to do is run the dev server in this web view which is like this very thin layer on top of the native web view uh, that we have. And the Rust is gonna run whatever app you have. Yeah. So you can have anything as long as it's static site generated. You can even have full stack frameworks like SvelteKit or Next.js or Quick. Oh, really? Um, nice. Yeah, you can. The thing is you cannot use the Node.js server in this. Yeah, the server-side so, stuff. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so like if you have an Next.js app, you can have API routes, for example. Yeah. Uh, kit, I think they call it actions and so on. Um, so you do need, if you have a full-stack app, you do need to nerf it a little bit uh, and in terms like using the export and, and things like this. But, uh, and, and that's why I mentioned that I think Solid is the best match for this because... With Solid, you can just in bring in Solid.js and Solid Web, and you just tell Vite if you want to have SSG, that's fine. If you can do like full client-side rendering anyway. Um, and then everything you have in your node modules are stuff you're using. The thing that I don't like about having like a full stack app on Atari app, and that's my personal opinion, is that you bring a lot of stuff inside your node modules and things, and you need to rely on conventions not to use because Eventually, if you're developing, you want to run in the browser for a while, and then you might develop your whole app in the browser and then just call Tauri to check if everything's working. Um, you, you shouldn't probably do that because you don't have access to all the native APIs if you're doing that. But anyways, that's possible. And then if you do that on a, on a full stack app, um, you need to trust yourself to remember not to use some of the tools or not if eventually the... The lines are getting blurry, especially if you're talking about Next.js with server components and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I, I I don't like the idea of having a, something at my disposal there 
that I'm actually encouraged to use if I if I research on Google or if I ask ChatGPT, but I actually can't because of context specific things. Mm -hmm. I see. Thank you for the explanation. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, for me, it seems uh, kind of a, uh, and so it's it's open source and like we could, uh, for, I mean, Tori is open source and yeah, you could. Entirely, you, yes. That's cool. Uh, okay, so I think uh, we're almost at the end of our show today. Uh, and usually we like we like to uh, finish our show by asking few future questions, let's say. So the first one is uh, I think I already know the answer. What are the technologies, <laughs> <laughs> libraries that you are most excited about, apart from so, um, SolidJS? Because that I already know. <laughs> okay, so Tari. <laughs> 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 So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very excited about Tari 2.0 um, because I, I'm watching very closely the, and that's very easy for me to say because uh, I'm not in, completely involved in that. I'm essentially a consumer of Tari, um, but I'm watching very closely all the work that the working group is putting on. And Tari actually has something that's really cool where if you like, they build the all the APIs in the alpha version, when they consider they're done, they migrate to beta and then they start a very uh, thorough security audit. And then oh, really? uh, it's actually one of my colleagues that's, um, I believe, leading this effort. His name's Tillman. He's like security. Yeah, he's really good. Um, so a bunch, a couple of my teammates are actually doing that. Like we have a security team in Crab Nebula, so there are like four of them. Uh, they're doing the the audit. Uh, so it's Tillman, Chip, Matthias. Uh, now I'm, I'm bad. I, sh I shouldn't have start saying names because I'm gonna forget. <laughs> it's late. But anyway, they're doing like some really good work and they're putting a lot of effort. And then once the security audit is complete and it's done and they address everything, it goes into a release candidate. And then it yeah. goes into testing, then they consider the API stable, they do some bug fixes and stuff like that. And then it goes to release. So we are close to the point. I think the security audits already started. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but if they, they haven't started now, they should start in a few weeks or so. Um, and that makes me really excited because with this kind of cycle, uh, whenever they say something stable, it will be stable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I'm excited about trying that out. I I know uh, uh, Jonas, a colleague of mine, he already gave a talk at VidConf where he build he shows how to build some stuff with uh, the alpha version and the developer experience already looking nice and it's still like an alpha. So I'm pretty excited about doing that. We've talked a little bit, uh, some colleagues of mine about having some very nice uh, CLI uh, task where you can just tarify any Vite app you have. So if you have an app that's built with Vite, you can do like NPX tarify root and then it just wow. goes into your app into your client side at SPA and just wraps it around Tauri and builds it and boom, you have a Tauri app. Um, that is crazy. 
So, uh, and, and that actually works in, in some cases. We do need to do some extra work. We have plans of open source that eventually, but it already works on the very specific case that we, want, we used. Uh, so that makes me excited because that means that you would be able to have a CLI tool that once you ship an app, you have something running even on GitHub Action or whatever that on CI just boof distributes your app as a uh, as a native app, as a web app, as a desktop app, as a mobile app. So that's very exciting. That I've yeah. I've worked in teams before that tried to do something like that with React Native. It's not so easy. If you try that, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of pain in this. Um, I see I'm in nodding because I know he played around <laughs> with that. Um, so yeah, um, so that's very exciting. Awesome. And the second question is, how do you see web development in five years? I see web development being led by BJS, the biggest community <laughs> conference in Europe. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. the thing is that we actually don't want to become the biggest uh, conference in Europe. Is we want to be the we best. We really love... You're doing a reverse psychology thing around me right now? <laughs> <laughs> no. The, the thing is that the, the most beautiful thing that I like about our conferences is the vibe. The f really family-like vibe. Yeah. And I don't think once you get to maybe over 500 uh, attendees, you lose that. It becomes what too much. What are you much talking about? I'm, I'm Brazilian, Italian. My family has 500 people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I've seen right. my grandma Christmas party, man. That's like. <laughs> no, it makes oh sense. God. It makes sense. Eben, <laughs> hey, find okay, another man. reason. Find another reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, like. Um, I go sometimes to these conferences where you have around 1,000 attendees and you basically don't... Uh, people come in groups, stay in groups and never open to the others. And then yeah. you don't meet people, uh, sp speakers come, do their talk and go somewhere else or go to the speaker's room. Well, yeah. in our conferences, usually like it, it kind of becomes like a family and we usually, we usually even end up partying all together after the yeah. conference uh, <laughs> in a bar or... <laughs> I'm not saying anything about this topic. <laughs> mm. uh, I think you pretty much established yourself as an alcoholic in the community. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I already was oh, afraid of next this. Next BJS, we're going to give an intervention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The the entire conference, the the entire audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just call so me on we're stage. We're gonna invite him to a panel discussion. And yeah. It's gonna be only him. <laughs> oh my okay, god! I agree. Good plan. <laughs> Jim. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's it from our side. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, Attila, is how can people reach you? Uh, Twitter or how? Yeah, you can Facebook, find me on... like the oldies. Yeah, no, <laughs> not that. No, I only like I only have Facebook, so my mom can stalk me from Brazil. Um, but yeah, you can find me on X or Twitter. 
uh, it's um, Attila Fascina or if it's easier, I have Attila.io and then if you just put slash any social network, you're going to find me there because it's hard to name things and my handlers yeah. change. Um, and yeah, my name is Attila, all no double letters, uh, not Hungarian, not uh, Turkish. So it's A-T-I-L-A. <laughs> Um, which is <laughs> always generates confusion anyway. Uh, so that's why I'm saying this. That's so true. Because every time I, I, look, I, I look you up on Twitter or something, I always uh, either put two T's or two L's. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I which, have to, to be honest, it would be a much cooler spelling with two T's, but uh, Portuguese spelling is just one of each. There's even uh, <laughs> an accent there that I stopped using because in Europe it just makes people more confused. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Portuguese spelling has an accent because uh, we say different. Instead of Attila, we say Atila. So, right. Um, yeah, so I just stopped using that because everybody was so confused. It would take me five <laughs> minutes to introduce myself. Right. So cool. So, thank you, Attila. Thank you, Elian. Thank you to everyone in the audience for tuning in. And before I leave, I wanted to let you know again that we have our, uh, not feedback, but like uh, advice form ready for React Paris. So just go to react.paris and let us know how you want React Paris to be. You can recommend speakers, you can recommend topics. Yeah, and, and also- And the CFP is open, opens. man. Yeah, yeah. And the we're CFP talking about imposter open. syndrome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to speak, we would very much welcome you to, even as a first-time speaker, we would love to have your uh, your call for paper in. So I'd say do. especially as a first-time speaker, do it. Definitely. Exactly. I talked with a bunch of people. Speakers at our I, I, I talked with a bunch of people in, uh, in React Brussels. I'm not going to name names, but you all know who you are, that you should be submitting talks. Um, there were some really smart people in the audience and yeah definitely awesome thank you all again and see you soon thank bye. you yeah. bye bye, bye.